What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Instructions Not Included and Small Town Famous Coffee Bourbon and the Grit in Between. I am your host and podcast creator, Ian. And the reason why I'm doing kind of a, an episode for both of my podcasts is because this particular episode, I believe, can safely apply to both podcasts. So I just figured I'd use this opportunity. Uh, kill two birds with one stone, update all my listeners on both sides um, on what happened with my recent accident that's kind of put me behind in regards to uh, putting out content and recording episodes. So just wanted to bring you up to speed. Also, before I dive into things, um, if you follow my TikTok, which I I feel like I have two usernames for my TikTok, so I'm going to pull it up real quick so I can give you guys the, uh, the right one. If you're if you're one of those uh, doom scrolling TikTok users like most people are, uh, you can follow me at, at the underscore last underscore centurion underscore. And the reason why I'm throwing that out there is uh, they recently added a feature to where you can attach your uh, your podcast shows to. I'm still figuring it out. It seems like it wants you to attach it to some sort of video, which I don't do full-length podcast videos at this moment in time. It is a potential in the future, but I'm just trying to figure that out. So if you don't follow me on TikTok, give me a follow. It'll help me out. It'll be awesome to go live someday on TikTok and do these shows. Uh, But right now I'm figuring out how to do the whole podcast thing. Right now I have both shows attached to my account. So that was the first hurdle. The second one is figuring out whether it requires a video to go with it. Um, yeah, they don't really explain it too well. So we're working that out. If you are knowledgeable in it and can help me out, shoot me a DM. That would be awesome because I'd love to put this out there on TikTok. But aside from that, no other podcast updates other than here I am now I, at this point of the show. When you listen to this, I am for the most part fully healed in regards to my accident so I can start recording So without further ado, I will dive into what happened. So around, I believe it was August 8th, I was at fire training and it was supposed to be what I thought, excuse me, was a, was going to be an easy, easy going night. We were training on water supply, which if some of you guys don't know what that is, there's a certain GPM for a certain amount of time that we are supposed to maintain like spraying water out gallons per minute. And we also train with uh, like fold the tanks. So there's these big tanks, um, they fold down and they can hold, you know, three to 5,000 gallons of water. And they're typically used for fire departments that don't have access to hydrants in the area. And we are very rural in this area. Some parts are to where there isn't fire hydrants. So of course we're going to train on water supply in regards to using these fold the tanks where the water is pulled from into the fire truck and then you can spray water. That's just, I'm leaving it at layman's terms for some folks. So you have multiple fold the tanks set up and you dump your water load in it. And it kind of, it's kind of like leapfrog, you know, you can leapfrog the water from one tank to another through the fire truck. Well, I volunteered for my favorite part of this type of training, which is the, you know, the fill site. So anytime one of the fire trucks or tenders, which holds a lot of water is out of water, they need to have a fill site. So we set up further away from the operation. You know, we set up our hose lines on the, on a fire hydrant. And we kind of, we set up this where one fire truck can drive up to the, uh, hydrant and you hook two, three inch lines to it. 
And then we have a third three-inch line coming off the hydrant. That's for a second truck if it were to pull in. So we can at least fill two at the same time. Once that first fire truck is full, we disconnect it. It pulls away. That second one kind of uh, leapfrogs forward, hooks up to the second lines, and we finish filling that and so on. It's kind of like a well-orchestrated uh, event once once the tempo starts going. So we had our first uh, fire truck pull up, our first tender, uh, hooked up two lines to it. Everything went well, charged the line, it was it was filling. And then the second tender shows up, and I hook the third line to try to get that process going, start getting some water in it. And so that line shut off. I hook up the line. It's kind of like a uh, – the connection is called like a storts fit. It's like a quarter turn. So you just put it in, you turn it a quarter, and it's, 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 it's in. It doesn't lock in, so that's the one safety issue with it. But it was in. Everything was fine. Uh, we had a new guy on the hydrant. He did everything perfect. He charged the line nice and slow, didn't crank it open. Uh, we get most of the kinks out of the line worked out, which we did. Sometimes there's a little bit of kinks left over, uh, but they kind of pop out once the water pressure hits it. That's kind of the more dangerous part because the line can jump and kind of do it at once once that pressure hits. So I waited about 8 to 10 seconds, all that pressure Filled the line, all the little kinks and whatnot worked their way out. Uh, what I did wrong was what I should have I should have done was I should have opened the valve on the back end of the tender where the line was going in so that water had somewhere to go. It's kind of a poor habit of mine in regards to that specific uh, apparatus, that specific vehicle. Um, so I walked up to the intake, put my hand on the knob to open up the intake so the water had somewhere to go. And before I did that, there must have been a twist in the line further down that I didn't see. I remember hearing like a surge of water come through and it worked that twist up to where the twist did a quarter turn back on the hose, which disconnected the hose line. And then that coupling ended up hitting me in the left cheek. And it kind of just felt like getting punched in the face, like really hard. It wasn't like an instant amount of pain. Um, it, it went numb. It was pretty, pretty locked up feeling a lot of pressure. I remember my jaw, I think was dislocated and just like real quick, I shoved my hand up and it might've knocked the jaw back in. I remember hearing like a click and pop. Um, I still, I'm still a little sore on that side of my jaw, especially when it comes to eating. And I think I spun around once. So this is where it gets kind of hazy. Um, obviously I'm dazed. I did not get knocked out. I felt like I was out for maybe a second, but it wasn't like black total lights out. I had actually like this weird out of body experience for like two seconds to where I remember I was in my kitchen standing behind my wife watching our son play and he was just in his diaper and in a blue shirt. And I'll get to that detail later of, <laughs> of how crazy this was. So I snapped back into reality. I remember staring at my friend Gabe who was standing next to me and he, I remember, I think he asked me, you know, Hey, are you all right? And at the time I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't talk. I probably could have, but I didn't want to cause I wasn't sure if my face was flayed open. If like my teeth were all knocked out, I had no idea. Everything was numb. And I remember like feeling the warm blood sensation coming down and I looked at him and he I can't remember if I hit the ground first or I looked at him and said, cause he said, do you want me to call a mayday? And I remember nodding. Yes. I do not remember if I was standing up while doing that or if I was on the ground, 
But eventually I was on the ground and my helmet was still on. So it was acting like a pillow. It kind of got knocked back. And he claims, Gabe claims he called Mayday like three times. And a, a Mayday is the term we use when a firefighter goes down. It's a it's a term we don't really use in training because it's a, it's a serious word. So we don't want to train with using that word. So he was calling out a mayday and I think he, he says he called it two to three times before folks started moving. Cause they weren't sure like, is this real? Because it was kind of a training situation where like there, I don't want to say a, not a whole lot can go wrong, but it, in regards to um, dangerous things, there's not a whole lot aside from high pressure lines, <laughs> which is what ended up hitting me in the face. So I don't remember hearing him call it three times. I honestly remember just hearing the mayday go out, which was a very solid mayday. You know, it goes something along the lines of mayday, mayday, mayday. Ian is down over by water supply. This is a real life scenario, not a drill. I, I kind of remember hearing those words. And so I, I just remember laying there. I had my hand on my face. I uh, wasn't sure the damage. I do remember counting the inside of like my teeth with my tongue. So I confirmed fairly early on that I didn't lose any teeth. Now I feel like some of them were jarred loose. Obviously this pressure that hit me was around 140 PSI and the metal coupling, you know, it's, it's a fairly heavy chunk of metal. I want to say it's, you know, five, eight pounds maybe. So yeah, I remember counting my teeth and then I remember my friend Courtney, who's full-time firefighter, former EMT. I'm not sure if she went paramedic. She might've, uh, she identified who she was. She kind of went into that treatment mode you know, and she asked me to remove my hand so she can kind of assess the damage and start getting, you know, what, what's going on wrong while the ambulance started showing up. And just like out of instinct, I'm like holding my hand to my face. And I like, I didn't, I would think I was afraid of, you know, what the damage might've been. And I didn't want people to see it. I'm not sure, but I did move away. I remember her waterboarding me with a shitload of saline because there was a shitload of blood uh, just to assess the damage. And I remember her saying, okay, there's two lacerations on the upper lip, one laceration on the lower lip. Uh, she looked at my teeth. She confirmed my teeth were there. And that was pretty much the gist of it. So kind of early on, I knew, okay, I know I have two lacerations on my upper lip. I have a laceration on my lower lip. I could not feel it. I do remember a lot of blood on my hand. I do remember them taking off my uh, gloves, taking off my helmet. I was told that my helmet was full of blood. And my whole face was covered in blood. So people thought like the entire left side of my face was just like blown away or something. And so I, I was like freaking out. I wasn't like yelling, you know, I was just laying there. I do remember groaning. Uh, you know, I was kind of like moving my leg up and down, just some kind of distraction for the pain that was starting to settle in. It, it wasn't like on a scale of like zero to 10, that pain was probably a six or seven. And I know everyone feels pain, you know, they register pain differently, but for me, it was probably six or seven, maybe a high five. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, it was more so numb, which worked out for me in the long run. So I remember being able to stand up. They helped me stand up. I sat on the gurney myself. You know, they helped me down, laid down. Uh, they took off my structure jacket. I still have my structure pants on and boots loaded myself up or we loaded, they loaded me into the ambulance. It's my first ambulance ride ever, by the way. And off we went, off we went to the hospital. Um, it started to kind of really set in. I remember, I think I told her my pain was six or seven. 
And so it was my friend Katrina who was treating me. I forget the other gal's name. Uh, I don't know if the other girl was driving or there was a third driver. can't remember his name. I, off the top of my head, I know I recognize all of them, but you know, we don't, I don't really speak to them too often. So I'm in the ambulance. Uh, they load me up with some fentanyl. Um, once again, they, they check my eyes. They do the whole, the whole gambit on me. I do remember getting into a lot more pain. Um, it was, I was asking for more. It really started to get to like eight or nine. I don't think the first round of fentanyl did anything. I do not remember how much they gave me. So I'm not going to spout out any numbers. Um, it was probably a good seven minute, eight minute ride to the hospital. Uh, I do remember pulling in. I hear the garage door open up at the hospital. I guess that's just the bay that the ambulance pulls in so they can pull in and pull out real quick. I remember hearing that. Um, I do remember, now here's where it's going to get funny because anyone who's been on ketamine will tell you it's uh, it's quite the trip. And if you haven't had ketamine before, I can tell you now it is quite the freaking trip. So I do remember Katrina giving me ketamine like either right before we pulled into the hospital or right, just like right as we got there. And it was, you know, just a couple seconds where I started seeing a shitload of colors It's like psychedelic. It was crazy. Um, for all you gamers out there, I, uh, I was in the game fallout four for probably 60 seconds. Like I remember it was like first person view. I was holding the 10 millimeter pistol. I remember, um, the, the robot dude, I forget his name. Now I've played the shit out of the game and I can't believe I'm brain farting it, but he was like, hello, Ian, welcome to, I'm finally happy to see you. (laughs) And I was like, what the fuck is going on? So I kind of remember smiling in this vision that I was having. So I don't know if I was smiling in real life, but that, that was the gist of it. It was, it was, uh, Cogsworth is his name, I think. So it was Cogsworth talking to me. And I remember hearing them bring the stretcher out, the gurney out, lowering me down. I remember hearing like two double doors opening. I remember going through, like hearing myself going through a hallway. Now you got to keep in mind, I'm not really seeing anything in reality at this point. I'm in the ketamine dream, but I'm hearing everything around me. So I do remember like the fluorescent lights, so that was like coming through my eyelids so I could see that there was a lot of like gray and green neon colors just kind of mixing together. It was almost like back in the day when you would listen to music on the PC and you had the, that color thing that you just stare at and it would go to the whatever beat of the music <laughs> on the Windows media player. It was kind of like that, but with gray and green. And then I remember being carted into a room and everything went silent but the voices around me, there was three voices around me and there was a little bit of an echo when they would speak. So it was like, he's had, 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 had X amount, 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 fentanyl, 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 like that. All three of them talking. And it also like their voices were bouncing off of metal. So it was very twangy kind of metally. And like that lasted for 15 seconds. And then I just opened my eyes and it was done. Like I, I was looking around, there was three people and I think this is where it gets real kind of fuzzy because they started giving me all kinds of freaking medications. Uh, my dad was on the way. I remember uh, calling my wife. I couldn't really speak very well. I had the nurse tell her <laughs> for a second she thought I was kidding. And then 
I sent her a picture. I was able to take like a selfie and that kind of got the ball rolling for her. I remember FaceTiming my dad and he was about 28 minutes away. And so he rushed out there. My chief showed up. They both showed up at the same time. And I remember getting another, apparently they, they gave me some more ketamine for my cat scan. I remember being in the little machine and I had to hold my head a certain way, which was real painful. I remember hearing all the noises, uh, but I don't remember seeing anything. So I don't know if it was just like a little, you know, 60 second hit of ketamine. Cause then I remember getting back to the room. I was awake. They cleaned some of the blood off. They're just assessing. They were trying to figure out where the hell I was going to go. They wanted, this is where it pissed me off in regards to this specific hospital was I remember the doctor coming in and he was like, you have a couple fractures to your, you know, your cheekbone. Uh, they're both, they're all minor fractures that should heal over time. And then someone came in to stitch me up. Like they were going to send me off. And I remember my dad saying, no, 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 no. He started making phone calls. He wanted like an actual plastic surgeon because the lacerations were right on my lip line and he wanted it done right. Like I'm not trying to knock on folks that nurses that do stitches at hospitals, but I just think, you know, he wanted it done right, which I agree with. So fast forwarding, they just wrapped me up. I ended up spending the night at my parents' place, which is kind of an in-between area from one city and then the city I live in. Cause at that point we were trying to figure out uh, where I was going to get these stitches done. And we got a hold of a plastic surgeon that was willing to do it. And from my parents' place, that, that guy was either 25-minute drive or there was another surgeon that was willing to do it in the city I live in, also about 25 minutes from my parents. So I remember laying in bed that night, open wounds. I was bleeding. Uh, I think they gave me hydrocodone, which didn't touch shit. Uh, everything was still numb, so it was more so pressure-type feeling and just extreme, extreme soreness. I didn't sleep at all. I just stared at the ceiling. Uh, pain was coming and going. Numbness was definitely my friend at that time. Yeah, We figured out where we are going to get the stitches done, which was in the city I live in. So my wife took me out there, and they had to knock me out for those stitches, which, by the way, was the first time I've ever had stitches, so I was kind of glad that I was knocked out for it. Um, the one thing I, I take from this is I, I hated every single time was getting poked with an IV needle. I hate IV needles. I don't know what it is. I hate the feeling of it going in and I hate the feeling of it just sitting there. You can, that's like that constant pinch. Um, I also remember getting poked in the ambulance, just side note. And I was more concentrated on that little pinch pain than I was my shattered face. So got knocked out. I just remember going to sleep, waking back up asking if I said anything rude while coming out of anesthesia. They said, no, I said, great stitches uh, were done. I looked at my face kind of for the first time. And that's when I was like, all right, it's, it doesn't look that bad. Obviously there's some crazy swelling, swelling, swelling. So I, I ended up going home and you know, that same plastic surgeon that did my stitches, I were, we were awaiting word from her after she was going to look at my imaging and it took a few days, I think, uh, while I was at home and obviously lots of pain, bedridden, uh, you know, I was drinking milkshakes <laughs> and, you know, I won't go into too deal, too detail of the pain and just my experience laying at home. Cause that's pretty much what I did, um, for at least a week before the surgery. And I was swollen shut. Just, uh, it, I was, I was a mess. You know, it was, it was tough doing absolutely anything, um, even the simplest things. But uh, a few days later, 
the doctor called my wife and said I had a zygomatic break. So I don't have any way of showing you right now pictures or anything, but if you look at like a, just search up zygomatic bone, find a color coordinated image of a skull and you'll see it. And so like right by the corner of my eye, like uh, between my um, sideburn and the corner of my eye. So there was a break up there. There was a break like alongside of my nose, kind of under my eye. And then there was a break on the orbital floor just under my eye. So basically my cheekbone was pushed in, then kind of upward, bent at an angle. And it didn't feel that way. Like while I was, <laughs> like everything felt normal aside from the swelling and the bruising and just all that shit. So when I, a few days later, so basically uh, it was a Tuesday on my break. The Wednesday was the surgery. I think uh, by that following Friday we got... I'm sorry, the Wednesday was my stitches. And then that Friday, we figured out that I'll need surgery. They won't, the bones weren't going to heal on their own. And she filled in my wife, the doctor did. So I was going to get two titanium plates and an orbital floor. I can't remember the material it was made out of, but basically an implant um, to help give my eyeball a little bit more support. I feel like it was a precaution. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm glad I, I got it. So I had to wait a week before my surgery. And so my surgery was scheduled for the following Friday. So I had seven days of just having this going on before I had my surgery. And of course, most of the swelling, I feel like went down by surgery day. I was able to walk around. I was doing like, I was eating like chicken nuggets and French fries, same majority diet as my son. A little funny, ironic there. And then, you know, I made the mistake of Googling how the hell do you fix this? <laughs> and I kind of got freaked out on the first image. So I was like, nope, not going to look at that. I'm just glad that they're going to knock my ass out. And I'm going to wake up and it's going to be done. And I don't have to watch it. I don't have to feel it. Hell yeah. So I went in uh, for surgery. They prepped me up. IV and everything. Hated that, but I was pretty drugged up before the IV. I told them to do it. I was like, I don't like, I don't like the IV thing. So they drugged me up. My wife said I was talking to her about all the shit I needed to do on the house. Uh, I remember them putting in the IV on my hand this time, which was interesting. And as soon as they did that, I was out. Woke up, went home. So the way they did my surgery was at the corner of my eye, they made like a little incision and they were able to get the plate put in right there. They went under, like in my gums, upward to get to the cheek part alongside of my nose. And then for the orbital floor implant, they basically had this little device where like this 90 degree metal thing that they put in between your uh, eye sock and your eyeball and you, they lift your eyeball up and then they kind of peel your, your lower eyelid down <laughs> and then they do the thing. Yeah, it grosses me out. They stitch it up, close it, it's fine. Um, then my face was back to fucking swollen again. And honestly, the pain that I felt soon as I got home and laying in bed was the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. It was worse than the initial accident. Um, I'm assuming like the pain meds they probably gave me had worn off by then. It's a good 45 minute drive from the surgery center and where I had this done. So I'm guessing all that wore off. I can't remember the medication they gave me. Um, I, I do remember it taking like 30 minutes to do anything, but as soon as it did, my pain went from probably eight to like two. And I was on that medication for like two days. I got off. I stopped using it Sunday night. Uh, I think I actually forgot to take some like midday. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's not that bad. This is nothing that uh, Tylenol can't touch. So 
started taking Tylenol for about a week after that. Um, and then I haven't taken anything since that. And it's been at the time of this recording, it's been four weeks since my surgery. So I can't tell you when this episode will come out, but it'll be soon. So that's, uh, that's pretty much the gist of it, man. Those first few weeks after surgery, I was not doing a whole lot. Uh, the swelling took forever to go down. Um, right now the swelling is still about 15, 20%. I still have maybe the same amount, 15, 20% of numbness, um, alongside of my left nostril, upper left lip, upper left lip, and a little bit on the cheekbone. And then the most annoying thing is, is I have like this, I, you know, coincidentally, it happens at night when I'm trying to sleep, but it's all the nerve endings trying to kick back on. <laughs> so it feels like little bugs crawling under the skin. And then when you go to just like gently rub it or kind of gently scratch it, cause it does itch, it doesn't do anything. So it's like just that constant itch that you cannot scratch and it comes and goes. It'll go for, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, and then it goes away for maybe 20 minutes and then comes back. So that's pretty much what happens when I try to sleep. It does happen throughout the day as well. Just not often. Um, right now I had a follow-up appointment yesterday. Everything's healing fine. Uh, I have about three more weeks before another appointment before they determine if I can go back to work or not. So it's been interesting. It's been very interesting. And, you know, in regards to my instructions, not included show, I wanted to just throw out there the difficulty it's been, you know, uh, that first few weeks, I, I wasn't able to do anything with my kid. And, I felt like, you know, I wasn't able to go to work, obviously. So I was freaking out. This all thing was a uh, whole thing was like workers comp. So financially, everything's working out just fine. You know, we're doing all right. And it's the, the panic I had was, man, I can't provide for my family until this is done until I'm healed. And you're looking at, you know, six to 10, 12 weeks on this type of injury. I, I felt like, yeah, this was kind of a minor injury injury, but like the, the tone I kind of get from my doctor is, and all the PAs that helped was like, man, this was, this was actually pretty major. So apparently it was a fairly major accident. All my chiefs, <laughs> everyone at the fire stations like, yeah, dude, like this was, you know, two inches higher. You could have been killed if that's where the hose hit me was two inches higher or two inches lower. All my teeth would have been knocked out or an inch higher. If it hit me directly in the eyeball, that thing would probably would have been gone. I have no vision issues right now. My teeth are fine. Uh, my nose is fine minus the swelling. That's kind of impeding on the side, but it'll go away. So yeah, I was, uh, at kind of a very low state of mind because I couldn't play with my kid. You know, those first few days, my kid looking at me is like, he, he didn't want to look at it. Didn't want to come into the room and I don't blame him. It probably freaked him out. You know, I was bloody bruised. Um, it looked like a whole nother face growing on the side of my face. Like the weight of that swelling also was, it sucked. I could only sleep on one side, which was the left side. I, I'm not a sleep on my back kind of guy. I don't sleep on my stomach. Uh, you know, I can get tired by laying on my right, but I always turn to my left. The downside is with all the swelling, if I turned to lay on my right, all that swelling was pushing down on my face and I could not breathe from my nose at all. So I had to go to the left so I can breathe from my nose and fall asleep. Uh, I try not to mouth breathe. Um, there was a couple of times where I did fall asleep on my right side with this injury and my mouth was like a desert afterwards. It, it sucked. So sleeping on my left, um, most of the time anyway, 
but also, you know, you kind of have that pillow pushing against your injury. So, yeah. But, yeah, I couldn't do anything with my kid. I couldn't help my wife around the house. You know, I got to give her a major shout-out. She she took care of everything in the house in regards to the animals, like the litter boxes, um, the cleaning, the dinners. Easier on her to make a dinner for just two people instead of three now because I was just drinking milkshakes and basically eating soft, fast food. Um, but yeah, she was a, she's a definite trooper and I had no doubts. Obviously I knew she was going to be able to do it, but it was, it, it just sucked cause I couldn't do a damn thing. You know, I, I couldn't lift anything. Basically I can carry my ass <laughs> to the bathroom and the shower and then go back to bed. And that's what I did. And it sucked. I was not able to be a dad to my son for a few weeks and wasn't able to be a husband to my wife for a few weeks. You know, she was pulling the weight. I had tons of friends and family offering the help. We took a, we took a few folks up on the offer just to lighten the load. My, my friend and tenant has been demoing my bathroom um, just a little bit here and there because there are, there are things I can lift, but there's, I'm judging by the severity of this accident. I've decided, you know, I'm honestly, I'm going to honor it. I'm not going to lift anything because I'd rather not blow my face out <laughs> and go through all that again. So, you know, some of us guys, when we're told don't lift anything after this surgery or you don't want to, you don't want to hurt yourself again, you know, I'll admit I've cut corners at times on minor injuries where ah, I'm just going to go, I'm going to do it because it needs to be done. So this one in particular, I've been, I've been really taken seriously because fuck that. That was my first surgery ever. That was my first time going under. <laughs> that was my first stitches. Um, and now I like to joke that I'm, I am now like a Terminator. You know, I have metal in my face. It's fucking awesome. And the scarring, while it will get lighter um, throughout the months, it actually looks pretty fucking cool. It looks like John Connor's scar from Terminator that goes across his lip. And I'm like, guys, I told you, I told you 36 years ago, I was sent back through time to change everything on this planet. I am the real life living John Connor. Um, <laughs> knock on wood. I'm not going to jinx myself and get injured again and, and prove what I just said incorrectly. So we'll just keep it there. But I figured this would be a, uh, a good episode for both, both podcasts, you know, especially my instructions, not included one. Uh, you, some of you dads can imagine, I don't know if some of you guys have been out for weeks or months on an injury, but it does suck not feeling like you can provide. Um, at this point in time now, there are little things around the house that I've found that needed to be done. So I'm doing those. I'm still contributing to this never ending machine of this household of this life. So I do not feel inadequate. I understand that it's going to take time before I can get back into the game fully, but it sucked, but I had a lot of folks to talk to, you know, my dad, my mom, friends, my wife, uh, everyone's, you know, just, Hey, there's no shame and just taking it easy. You know, you're not, you're not failing as a parent. You're not failing as a husband. This is serious, you know, take some time out. So it took a little bit for me to get that message through my brain because there is a lot of things that need to be done around this house. Cause I have a timeline in my head of what needs to be done before I can proceed forward with like the ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate end game plan of what I want to do in regards to, uh, being a landlord, being a homeowner, being a land owner and that early retirement that, uh, I'm looking forward to sitting my ass on a beach by my mid forties and just enjoying life and not worrying about anything. So yeah, 
there's that timeline in my head that I'm trying to keep up with, but you know, sometimes you got to slow down and realize, Hey, it'll get done. Sometimes you just, you just got to slow down. So that's all I got for you guys. I appreciate it. I am working on, I'm still deciding if I want intro and outro music. I cut my ties with the website I was using. It was just overhead. I didn't need. So that's the reason why there's no intro and outro music. I don't know. I might keep it the way it is. It kind of grabs your attention right off the bat with me just saying, Hey, what's up? But we'll see if I end up doing it, it'll be myself just recording music and it'll be my own music and I won't have to worry about any of the royalty bullshit. So we'll see, uh, more episodes coming. I have nothing but downtime at the time of this recording. So hopefully we'll knock out an entire season for instructions, not included. And then in regards to small town, famous coffee, bourbon and the grit in between, I do have a handful of folks that are ready to come on the show. It's just a matter of timing. It's a matter of cleaning off the guest desk next to me to get them in here and start talking some shit, uh, dive back into politics, um, headlines, careers, whatever the hell we want to talk about. We're doing it. We're doing it all. So we'll see. That'll give you guys something to look forward to this winter. Um, This fall will be Instructions Not Included Season 2, and I'll probably keep it at 13 episodes this time Uh, again. I know I I I said earlier I was going to do like 20, but, you know, my my healing's almost done, and I got to get back on that busy train. So we'll see. We'll see what we do. But anyways, guys, I appreciate it. And don't forget to share the podcast. Give it a rating, five stars. That's the only ones we like. You know, once we hit like 20,000, I'll stop bugging you about it, I promise. Yeah, we got a ways to go. So get to work. Appreciate it, guys. Love you all. Bye.